0: This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply.
1: Our family has grown.
0: Welcome to the world,
1: Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast. Parenting beyond discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Aaron Royer. In this episode, I will be giving some tips on preschool shopping. Now, depending on where you live, you may have heard about the best preschool in town and getting on the waiting list years ahead of time. I remember rumblings about that when we lived a little closer to the heart of LA, and my oldest was just an infant. Naturally, it's enough to stress out even the most relaxed parents. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Luckily, I regrouped pretty quickly and realized, that it was just as outrageous as it sounds, there are plenty of amazing preschools, along with a few duds, in every city and town. Some really great ones aren't going to be the best fit for every family, and some that seem really great actually aren't so great. So I'm going to share some things that you definitely want to have in a preschool from a child development perspective and some things to watch out for. The benefits of preschool include ongoing, regular opportunities to learn and practice social skills such as turn-taking, conflict resolution, and relationship building due to playing with the same kids several days a week, An exposure to enriching environment through exposure to hearing stories, exploring art, and tons of different games, toys, and materials a curriculum designed to develop the children's skills in all areas, including fine and gross motor, social-emotional, and cognitive and language. But with all the benefits of preschool, it's not a necessity. With some effort, the same level of enrichment and opportunity to build social and other skills can be done at home with some commitment to the process. So first, I'm going to talk a little bit about enrichment at home before I get into preschools. If you opt not to send your child to preschool or you want to offer extra enrichment at home, here are some things you can do. Have regular playdates with the same kids to give that opportunity your child would get in preschool to build all the social skills like the turn-taking, conflict resolution, and the relationship building. Read a lot. Reading to children is the biggest predictor of their reading success later. Engage them in the story. Ask questions about the story, the characters, the setting. What would happen if? Even acting out the story with puppets or stuffed animals or posable characters really pulls the kids into the story. Have educational toys and rotate them out every few weeks. These are things like building toys. Wooden blocks are my favorite. Kids can use such imagination to create while learning about engineering concepts like balance and weight. And I will have a class on educational toys coming up on the website. And when that one's available, I'll let you know. In that class, I'll talk about things like details about exactly what makes a toy educational and examples of lots of different types for developing different areas of body and mind. Make time for art open-ended art that allows kids to explore like painting or drawing without a particular finished product in mind. Doing crafts like building the turkey out of construction paper is also important as it really helps develop the fine motor skill and following directions. Both of these types of activities develop your child in different ways. And for more information on child development and activities to do and build skills in all of these areas, I am currently finishing up a class called Your Developing Toddler, which covers the ages from 12 months to 36 months, which is just up to the third birthday. And this class covers all aspects of toddler development physical development, both gross motor and fine motor, cognitive language, and social-emotional development. The class includes a wide range of normal and development in all these areas, red flags to be aware of so you can get help early, and ways to support all their development through play and fun activities. So I'll be sure to give lots of tips on that in an upcoming episode, and I'll let everyone know when that class does become available. Now, when it comes to preschools, there are many different philosophies or methods in early childhood education, such as Montessori, Reggio, Highscope, Waldorf, etc. The cool thing is these methods do not oppose one another in any fundamental ways. And actually, very few preschools are purely in one philosophy or another. Some fall predominantly into one of these, but many are a mix. These methods can complement each other well. So I'll give a quick overview of each of these. Montessori was a philosophy and method of teaching developed by Maria Montessori. She originally used this with special needs kids to teach them life skills and independence. There are many wonderful things about this method, since it emphasizes the development of initiative and self-reliance, independence, and freedom within limits. However, Montessori does not emphasize creative role play. Reggio is a philosophy developed by Amelia Reggio that emphasizes that learning should be built around the child's interests. It also emphasizes nature and exploring through the natural world, and so the learning takes place outdoors as much as possible. Now Our kids went to a Reggio school, and actually it was a Spanish immersion Reggio school. I'll touch on language programs for preschoolers in just a few minutes. Waldorf is another method that emphasizes connection to nature. They also emphasize developing citizenship and moral character and de-emphasize the use of any technology, all of which are excellent and very developmentally appropriate for preschoolers. So if you're a family who really wants to steer clear of technology in these earlier years, you're very likely to find like-minded families at a Waldorf school. Highscope is a curriculum based around cognitive and language development that was first studied by Piaget. What this really means for the method is that learning is hands-on and interactive, but like Montessori, there is no emphasis on any creative role play or pretend play. Highscope teaches a process called plan-do-review. Children can plan a project or their play, like the rules of a game, etc. Do the project or play the game and then review. Things like, how did it go? Did it turn out the way you expected? Why or why not? What would you do differently next time? This process teaches some great problem solving and other deeper cognitive skills. It teaches them to really think on a deeper level. So now I'm going to take a moment to discuss the language immersion programs like I mentioned, as these schools are starting to pop up more here in the United States. In many other countries in the world, access to multiple languages is much richer than it is here. But here in the U.S., exposure to anything other than English is very minimal, unless you're already in a bilingual home. Many times, the main school philosophy will fall into any of the categories I already mentioned or be a mix, but will also offer the curriculum in a language other than the official language. I love this concept so much, and I wish it were more available, not just in preschool, but through elementary as well. Language neurons are still forming during these preschool years, so children's brains are ripe to pick up a second or even third or fourth language. During this time, being bilingual has huge brain benefits far beyond just being able to speak a second or third language. And this is definitely a topic I will cover more in depth in an upcoming episode, along with more on just language development in general. But like I mentioned, my kids went to a Spanish immersion reggio preschool. However, the elementary school where we were living at that time was not very good. Actually, the whole public school system was not good at all. So we moved about 15 miles away that January before our oldest was to start kindergarten for the better schools. But elementary school didn't start until August and there were no language immersion preschools near us. So I drove them over 45 minutes each way, four days a week, because that exposure to a second language was that important to me. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if done can help. Two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow. Three, start receiving ongoing care. Enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to Better Focus Now at get.donefirst.com podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. There is one type of preschool that myself and every other child development expert, as well as the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Agrees to steer clear from, and that is the academic preschool. This does not mean schools that introduce academic concepts like counting or letters or letter sounds. These are all great if they're done through play and games. But things like memorization, desk time, sitting passively for lessons, and doing worksheets are what we consider academic ways of learning. Young children do not learn much this way. Children of preschool age and even up through seven and eight learn best through play by interacting with their world, trying new things and discovering. So preschool years and even elementary is when kids need to be learning and practicing social skills like turn-taking, compromise, conflict resolution, and relationship building. These are the building blocks for academic and life success in elementary school and beyond. Now even worse, academic-based preschools don't just mean that kids aren't learning in developmentally appropriate ways or getting opportunities to question and develop their problem solving. Research actually shows they have a detrimental effect on the child's later academic success. A major evaluation of Tennessee's publicly funded preschool system found that although children who had attended academic preschools initially exhibited more school readiness skills when they entered kindergarten than did their non-academic preschool attending peers, by the time they were in first grade, their attitudes towards school were deteriorating. By second grade, they performed worse on tests measuring literacy, language, and math skills. A 2011 study in the Journal of Child Development found that preschool teachers' use of sophisticated vocabulary in the informal classroom setting predicted their students' reading comprehension and word knowledge in fourth grade. What does that mean? That means just the teacher using the big words in class in the informal setting was what predicted their success of word knowledge in fourth grade, not by them sitting down and memorizing things and writing things and doing academic types of activities. I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about some questions to ask when touring a preschool, but I also really want to get to an important question that came in this week. So I'm just going to touch on the importance of asking questions when you take a tour and thinking of all the questions that you really want to ask and are important to you. And I have a friend who is now pulling her son from his preschool because she didn't think to ask about the napping policy. And I really wish she just would have asked me because I could have saved her this headache. Napping is regulated by law, at least here in the United States. And it's done state by state here. And the California law is very vague and doesn't give a hard time for naps. It simply states that a resting time is mandatory. Now, this school was having her son lay quietly for two hours, even though he wasn't napping at all during that time. So I can't blame her for wanting to pull him out. To me, it seems like overkill. 30 minutes if you're not sleeping and go play quietly in another room. If she had thought to ask this question beforehand, she could save herself that time and energy of having to search for another preschool, pull her son out, and start again. And the last thing I wanna share about this is use your gut instincts. If something just doesn't feel right or feels off with the school that you visit, then you're better off scratching that school off your list and keep looking. So I do have this as a class, choosing a preschool, up on the site if you want more details on the different teaching methods, a rating sheet to see which philosophy fits best with your own, how to tell if a school is too academic, as well as all the questions you may want to ask on a tour. I also share an experience when my gut feeling was that a school was not the right fit for us and why. So if you're interested in that class, you can go to yourvillageonline.com and look under the education tab. You can get 20% off of that class or one of the monthly memberships by entering the code PRESCHOOL, P-R-E-S-C-H-O-O-L, PRESCHOOL, all capitals, at the bottom of the checkout page. Now, I got a really important question this week about self-esteem from Khan in the UK, and I really hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Khan asks, I was listening to one of your podcasts about self-esteem, and you mentioned you spent your mid-20s and early 30s rebuilding your self-esteem. Could you let me know what tools, methodology, or strategy you used to rebuild your own self-esteem? This is a great question because as parents, it's important that we do what we can to build or maintain ourselves, not just our physical health, but our mental health. And self-esteem is an important part of mental health. When we feel good about ourselves and have good self-esteem, we are much better better parents. Not just because we're better role models and better at modeling everything, but also we're more loving. We're more patient because we're just more comfortable with ourselves and in our own skin. And it colors every interaction with our kids and everyone else we encounter. And they see that. So if you are a parent who struggles with self-esteem or, as is very common, has forgotten about yourself as you lather so much time and attention on your kids that you lose your own sense of self, it's crucial to revisit that. Now, luckily, I had lots of self-esteem and a strong sense of self and a very supportive husband that carried me through those four years of three kids 20 months apart when I probably didn't sit down from 6am until 8pm most days and was lucky to get two showers a week. But even now, I have those days where I feel like the most underappreciated, unsexy thing on the planet. So I'll share how I built up my own sense of self way back before I had kids, and then how I reconnect with that when I feel it starting to slip away. In the episode on self-esteem, I talk about where self-esteem comes from, a sense of mastery and accomplishment, and a sense of belonging and feeling needed. Without going into detail, I'll just say that I didn't get those things growing up. I had made nice friends in college, but I also was really needy because of that lack of self-esteem, and college-age friends aren't equipped to be that kind of support. I reached a point where I knew I needed to be my own support because I wasn't going to get it from my family. I needed to be proud of me. I needed to become the person that I enjoyed being around, because frankly, being around the needy person for too long is exhausting. Everybody gets down and needs support, but if it drags on, it can become too much for most people to handle, and I realized that. So I started working on becoming that person for myself. I started working on myself physically, becoming physically stronger. I started running, swimming, and even doing lots of long hikes. I spent a lot of time alone doing these things and getting to know myself. And as I progressed, a lot of people started noticing my drive, my improvement, and my accomplishments. They were seeing it from the outside. So they noticed the big changes. But for me, because the changes were smaller day by day or week by week, it wasn't as noticeable to me. Over several years, I just kept working, and with each accomplishment came more self-esteem. Each longer, harder trail completed. Each mountain peak reached. I started doing triathlons, each one longer than the last. Five years after I first started really working on myself, I completed the Ironman triathlon. And I think I've shared about that before, but for those who aren't familiar, it's a 2.4-mile or around a 3.9 kilometer swim, 112 mile, around 180 kilometer bike ride, and a marathon, 26.2 miles, or around 42 kilometers. It starts at 7 a.m. and you have to complete it by midnight to be considered an official finisher, an Ironman. I finished with an hour and 15 minutes to spare. That journey and that goal showed me how strong I was. I was a woman with arthritis and no excuses. I had become that person I was proud of and I wanted to hang out with, not just because I was strong or because I could reach these big goals, but obviously it was also because I had so many other things to offer, things I had always had. I was loyal, fun, kind, helpful, and many other things, but now I could accept and appreciate all those things about myself. For me, it was the physical goals and achievement. That took me from one end to the other of my self-esteem. Physical endeavors are also very mental, probably 90% or more. So pushing through that pain to get to the next level showed me that I was in control of my process. Also because all those training hours afforded me to be alone with my thoughts and I liked it. I sorted so many things out and I learned to like me. For other people, music or art or building a business or any other number of things can be the journey that helps them. But for me, it was the journey of physical accomplishments. Now my self-esteem is built on many things, including my amazing family. But when I need to reconnect with myself, it's exercise. It's the laps in the pool alone with my thoughts or those runs, even if they're only 20 minutes. It's enough time for me to connect with myself and reboot. It keeps me sane. And I stopped training for a while when the kids were very little. And like I mentioned, my strong sense of self I had built over those years carried me through. But now I'm back at it and getting stronger and faster once again. I started setting new goals for myself. My first is to break my personal record at my next half marathon. That record is 15 years old. After that, I want to start doing some trail running races and eventually go for a 50k and then see if I want to keep going longer, 100K or some multi-day races. We'll see. So hopefully me sharing that personal story is helpful to some of you who are looking for ways to reconnect with yourself after having small children, or if you're just struggling with self-esteem, whether you had it and you lost your sense of self, or you never really had much to begin with. I hope that that was helpful. If you have a question, please be sure to send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com and to see what episodes I have coming up, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hanna quality for your most precious gift. Hanna Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hanna baby. Introducing a new collection. Hanna Soft. Made with Tencel. It's so breathable.